Hello there, this is Matt. And I'm Rob. And I'm Cliff. A very special guest with us today. Totally. Well, you've tuned in to Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob, in parentheses, Cliff. (laughs) Today, we're going to be talking about communication. That's a big topic. It is a big topic, so I think we're going to cover it. A few uh, for a few episodes, right? Yeah, I mean, unless we get a supernatural anointing and we just sum everything up in one thirty-minute episode, you think we can do that? What are the <laughs> odds that that could happen? You could turn it into a theory, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, today in the studio, I'm sporting my Hawaiian shirt because I'm going to Maui tomorrow. Oh, that's rough. Oh, I'm I'm. If you can't tell, I'm really excited. (laughs) (laughs) We had noticed, you know, and I'm not trying to like rub your rub you in this, you know, but uh, I'm definitely in Hawaii mode. Well, I'm excited for you. It's good to have. Yeah, we just listened to a a little song before uh, recording about friendship and hearts being weaved together. And Mm -hmm. If one falls, the other one comes. A three-chord strand isn't easily broken, right? right? Correct. Um, so and friendships, you want good things to happen to the people you care about. Absolutely. Well, and a healthy friendship. Yes. That is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I stand corrected. Yeah, it's it's really it's magical when you find friendships that really emulate that idea of weaving together, uh, becoming one. And that doesn't happen without communication. I was just thinking that. Great minds think alike. <laughs> uh, but we, yeah, we have, we've been talking for the last couple episodes. And finally, in the studio, we have Cliff Berry, um, a good friend of ours, uh, a clinician. But most importantly, a, what would you describe him, Rob? I mean, he's just, I mean, he's like a demigod. A, oh a sage or a guru. Ah, I like that word. Sage. Right. Yes. S-A-G-E and not the herb. <laughs> <Right>. This <laughs> is great for humbling my ego. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we get to talk about you. Um, uh, Cliff, you're, you've been around the center. I've been here since, what, 2017-ish. And then, Cliff, yeah. you've been around the Response Care Center um, how many years? Well, since we moved here. Yeah, so that's, what, six or seven years? Yeah. Has it been that long? Yeah, it's been, oh, it's been more than six or seven years. It's been nine years, right? Wow. Not in this building, I don't think. Oh, so you've been in this building just before I got here, a couple years before I got here. All right. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're listening and you don't know what the Response Care Center is, it's a dedicated counseling center in Richland, Michigan. And we have the pleasure of working with clients, um, typically the under-resourced, and we're a community asset, and we help people walk through life. A care center, yeah. It's a care center. Yeah, counseling and other services as well. Yeah, so that's what the Response Care Center is located in Michigan. And um, uh, Cliff, would you just take a moment just to describe maybe what your, who you are as a person, um, maybe as 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 a therapist? I mean, I know that you have a long resume of experiences, including fishing in Alaska on a fishing boat. I mean, I've heard the whole story, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but from a clinical standpoint, just tell us a little bit about who you are. Uh, okay, well, it goes back to originally I was a biochemist working 
for the mental health department and uh, for Michigan doing research in biochemistry, uh, the underlying factors of schizophrenia. I did that for about 13 years and decided I was more interested in what was going on, uh, not just in the cell, but the body. From there, I've gone to experiential education, uh, all kinds of different, all kinds of different modes and forms. Uh, mostly, I followed my interest in my nose. If you look back on my resume, it looks like there was a plan there, but in reality, there wasn't. <laughs> that includes juvenile justice yeah. and yeah. restorative justice. Yeah, I was. Uh, I got my, I got my master's degree in '90 uh, and. From then, most of my work had been working with juvenile justice and families at risk and, and doing other things too, but that was primarily that. Mm-hmm. If you looked at anything, I'm, I would be considered an experiential uh, uh, therapist that doing things, looking at things as they are, less theoretical and more what is going on right before your eyes and inside yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's continued on. I joined here after I retired. And then around here, you help with supervision and leadership. Well, I learn more than I supervise. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, more, they're, they're more teaching me than I am teaching them anything. <laughs> I can relate to that. Yeah. So uh, thanks for being here. Thank you. It's been something that we've been anticipating and we're excited about. And yes, I think we're going to have several episodes on communication. Um, There's a couple specific areas that I think Cliff is going to bring to the conversation that will be really insightful and rich. Um, But let's maybe start with the basics of communication. I mean, would you have some opening thoughts, Dr. Rob, regarding the basics of communication? Yeah, I, um, I, I like what I attribute to Norman Wright said that communication, and I'll modify it, communication is to a relationship what blood is to the body. So in basic communication, you have sending and receiving messages, verbal and nonverbal. Um, and then frequently they talk about communication skills the the ability to listen, to listen well, to understand the nonverbals, to pick up on uh, nonverbal cues. So those are the kinds of things when you say communication, I think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, those were primarily what I was trained in. Also, over the over since the seventies, I've started to look at communication. It's just not a transmission of information. But it's the way you organize your world, organize your 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 relationships, organize your thinking, and you act on that. So communication has a component of meaning, right? There's, it goes much. It goes much. It's much. Uh, it's broader than just the, um, for lack of a better way of saying it, the skill set that I talked about. Right. That's those are important, but it goes beyond that. If you think of us. We have a few words for snow, and if you talk to an Eskimo, they have like 20 or 30 words for snow. Oh, that's cool. And each of those have different meanings, and that meaning is transmitted through communication, but it also structures and directs uh, life events, both real and personal. So how does it 
how does it organize our world by labeling it? Oh, that's one of the theories. Okay. It's more than that. It's, it's, it's like a lot of things. It's not linear. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's put together. It's more like a metaphor than anything. You combine pieces together and then you, you, you organize those pieces to make meaning and out of those meanings then you decide on rules and how to respond to that. And that can change uh, from moment to moment, from day to day, from year to year, from century to century. It seems like it validates a little bit that perception becomes reality. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not a theory of, of uh, it's, it's not a theory of what's healthy or not healthy. It's, it's, it's just a description of how we operate, how God put us together biologically, neurologically, and psychologically. And then communication, to your point, um, is a way to describe and add meaning to those right. phenomena or right. dynamics. Yeah. What, we're, what we're doing right now is communicating. Uh, so we're transmitting information back and forth so we can have a, a, a conversation that at least appears reasonable and rational. Uh, but we're also creating meaning just among the three of us, so this will continually change how we, how we talk, how how open we are, how the words we use uh, will def- help define where we're going. And in the process of understanding it, we can help that process to be better. So it, it facilitates understanding, but. Then, then am I correct in also assuming it, it adds dimension to our relationships? Yes. It adds. Every, every encounter, every communication encounter, it, to your point, is I'm taking in that data, that information, applying meaning to it, and then utilizing it to know, mm-hmm. to know you better or vice versa. Right, and then okay. that trades back and forth, so it's a moment-to-moment. And because we're here at a round table in a podcast, that's a setting, and that setting in itself defines how we're supposed to operate with each other. Oh, that's cool. If we were sitting in a bar, we would, we would, we would communicate a little differently. Yeah. What would be permissible, what not be permissible. You know, mm-hmm. like I might cuss in a bar, but I wouldn't cuss here over a podcast. <laughs> well, when you <laughs> talked about 30 words for snow, I had a few cuss words. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so. I couldn't be an Eskimo. Right, right. <laughs> so it's a continual, ongoing thing, uh, and that's what that that has always interested me from the '70s is how we use communication, uh, how communication goes across the borders, whether you're analytical or, or behavioral or or body wise or energy wise. That's all. That's all forms of how we how we structure our world, both physically. And emotionally, and then what do we do with that? So a question that I would have is how often are people conscious of this concept of communication? How often are people thinking intentionally about communication, the elements of communication, the purposes of communication, and managing or um, steering their communication for a preferred outcome? That's a good question. Well, how often do you think that deep when you need to take a poop? 
<laughs> Thank you, Cliff, for keeping the conversation just grounded. I, I I honestly don't. When nature calls, I answer. Pretty much we operate the same way. <laughs> I love it. Okay. That's one of those drop the mic moments. <laughs> that is one of those drop the mic moments. Okay, we're going to end the podcast here. Mm-hmm. We like to be very esoteric. Uh, our field likes to be very scientific. We like to be very privileged. Uh, mm-hmm. When it gets down to it, the world is pretty straightforward and uh, very basic. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I love you. <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> love it. So when we talk about, you had sent an email back in June yes, to our, to our group, and it was um, highlighting a theory called coordinated management of meaning. Yeah, isn't that a mouthful? Yes. Well, we just call it CMN. That was my dad's name, CM. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Clarence Miles. He didn't like his name, so he. Just I went, like it. He went that by. Is, he that went is by. A nice ring. He went by just CM. Why well, Matthew Miles? I took on that middle name. I recognize. My great grandfather's first name was Miles, so you see how that name kind of yeah. integrated down the line. It's pretty cool. But I'm not like number two or number three or number five. <laughs> I'm just number one in terms of Matthew Miles. Anyways, back to back to point. So yeah, like you said, back in the '70s when this theory kind of originated. Um, and like with all theory, it, it just evolves, right? Correct. I mean, and it's still evolving. It's just evolving, but here's the statement that I like. So this, this coordinated management of meaning, it's distinguished from other theories of communication because it looks at communication and not through it. Correct. Um, so it is a shift of the conventional point of view from looking at the message, the information, or the effect to looking at what is actually going in communication between people. Yes. So that's consciousness. Consciousness. Bingo. Like how many people are conscious? Um, I'm only conscious of needing to poop when nature calls. Right. Other than that, I'm not even thinking. That's good. That's a good bottle. Well, you, 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 you gave me a complete beautiful context now. It is that basic, though, I believe. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, P, I don't believe people are really, or at least I'm not always, well, I'm more so conscious because I'm working at it. Like right. the effect I have on people. Well, it's one of the reasons why when somebody says in a conflict type situation, it's just a matter of simple communication. I like to point out, I don't know what's so simple about communication. I, I get talking is easy and word choice, like you guys have pointed out, it's just I'm more of an unconscious or it just comes forth. But the dynamic, and in this theory, if I'm understanding it right, it's looking really at the very basic uh, connecting between two humans. Yeah, what are we creating right this minute from moment to moment? And is it working for us? And if not, how can we make it better? And so really in the commu- in the <clears throat> theory, is if I'm understanding it correctly, that involves emotional intelligence and cognition and intentionality and meaning. Hmm. And, and it's a lot of the um, 
uh, implicit dynamics that we're talking about, right? right? It encompasses our physical, our emotional, our mental, uh, our spiritual world. So it's a coming together at the moment of time in a context of uh, not relationships, but in context of contact. Oh, okay. I have to think about that. <laughs> so it's continually evolving. Yeah. It's, or, or, while, while it's not necessarily consciously under our control, uh, if we choose to, we can consciously guide it and direct it. Yeah. What you're saying is regardless of what we're thinking, as we communicate, things are forming. Sure. We're right, we're, we, you're creating meaning. We're creating a map of the world. What's, what's this world? What does this look like? What does this mean? Yeah. Even if it's just specifically to you and I. Correct. Okay. So being intentional, being conscious, I'm kind of thinking of like Patty. Patty would be, if she was here, she would be saying, okay, just wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's one one of those grounding moments. The question, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. Really? Like as I'm communicating. So I think oftentimes about if I'm doing couples counseling and the couple is gridlocked. Mm-hmm. And they're gridlocked because they're in a defense posture. Mm-hmm. So they have they have territory to protect because they don't feel safe. And so their ability to come into the moment and to be able to communicate collaboratively is compromised because of the offense. Correct. But if they can stand down and they can enter in and understand their partner and their point of view, and they do that collaboratively or mutually, mm-hmm. they can understand meaning in the moment. Right. Is, is that what we're talking about? That's one of the things we're talking about. Uh, you can have a, uh, a husband-wife or a partner-partner into uh, a fight, an argument, and if you can change the, the kinds of, if you can change or redirect the communication, the conversation, not as husband and wife or partner-partner, but as friend to friend, that changes that changes the rules of the communication. So it is and part of that is in, implied that they're changing the meaning. They're changing the meaning. To, to Matt's point, I yeah. I don't see or process or define the meaning is this is a threat to me. Right. I have to change that more to this is a partnership and a friendship. Right. When you when you do that, that has impacts the way I talk or talk with a friend or a close associate is different than if I'm in a disagreement, then it's different than when I'm talking to my wife of almost 60 years in a, in a heated moment. So you can change. You, we have the ability to change. God made us with the ability to change. Uh, he didn't give us really, he didn't give us rules beyond the 10 commandments, but uh, we're left to figure that out ourselves. This is kind of cool, looking at communication as opposed to through it, like like the quote you mm-hmm. right. It's 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 a very different way, or appears to be a very different way to process. Yeah, it's kind of fun to wrestle with to be mindful about. Yeah, yeah. being mindful is critical in in this process. If you look at a lot of the liturgy, if you look at philosophy or you look at eastern uh, cultures and eastern philosophy like that they're a little more attuned to that than we are as a western we like things linear we like cause and effect we like it in uh, in very straight roles 
that can be tested and duplicated and repeated and observed and measured. It doesn't always work that way. Mm -hmm. Which kind of gives us an illusion that we're in control. But what you're saying is it's really a more uh, cyclical and fluid type of phenomenon as opposed to linear. That's my belief, and that's what I keep seeing when I look into the literature beyond just the, the psychological literature. When you look at it all across the board, is yeah, we operate that way. So are you saying then with the Eastern uh, thought or philosophers, they're far more intentional about attributing the meaning, the context... I don't know that I go that far. Okay. They have a way of setting this is what this means in the structure, how you respond to that structure. Okay. Uh, it's a little more fluid and less less rigid than ours, but it's not a question of theirs is better or ours is better. It's a question of it's different and does it does it serve you or does it not serve you? For them that serves serve them what they decided as a culture they want and what they want to maintain and rules they want to maintain. We've developed that here in the Western culture. So there's, there's no, it's not a question of one is right and one is wrong. It's, it's all it gets down to, is it useful? Is what we're doing right now useful? Is it, is it helpful? If not, how do we change that? Uh, I can often get into a very easy conversation with my wife that turns into an argument, that turns into a fight, and I know exactly where this is going to go. There's no doubt in my mind where this is going to go. But how, how can you not go there? Mm. Even you know that the ending is going to not be useful. How can you not go there? It's just the way you're supposed to do it. You're a man. You're this. You got to do this. You got to stand up for yourself. Uh, you got to point out to her. So it's a conversation that's you know where it's going to end and not in a good place. And saying, saying I'm going to do something different. What would be different? How do I change different here? And that's easily said because then you've got to, then you're in your own world and you've got to decide, uh, okay, what do I do? How do I do this? Uh, do, what am I supposed to do? What's expected of me? Uh, what that have I done if I've been too open before? In the past, it gets, it gets quickly very, very uh, nonlinear or very abstract. Very uh, abstract is probably not the right word. But you're controlling the meaning, if I understand. You can control the meaning. You get to control the meaning, what it means. So if I change the meaning of the interaction, then theoretically my words and thoughts and behaviors would be changing with it. Correct. Correct. That's the way it's supposed to work. Okay. <laughs> and you only need one person in that, like it, it would just take you or your wife to change that. Right. You change the dynamics. Right. Mm -hmm. the, your partner may insist on staying on the same, the same road, but the end would be different than you both were on that road. Right. It would change. It changes. It's it's like, uh, it's like peeing in somebody's soup. It doesn't ever taste quite the same. <laughs> so we got bodily functions involved in our well, conversation today. Correct. Sorry about that. But well, we're real basic. We we think. We think because somehow we're on this high totem pole of, of our evolution is, is that we're still basically, we're, we're very, we're not far from the savannas of the plains and from our, from our brother, other animals. 
You know, we're not, we're, we're, we think we're a lot more sophisticated than we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That might make a good podcast too. <laughs> Let me go back to the article. I'm sorry. No, no, this is fantastic. Um, there's a statement that we construct our social worlds and communication. And in a sense, we've been talking about that, but let mm-hmm. me read this. So Piercy and Crowen, if I'm pronouncing the, the, the theorists, the researchers correctly, they start with the premise that the social worlds that we inhabit are constructed in the many diverse forms of everyday communication that we engage in. Correct. We might describe these activities as conversation, play, arguing, peacemaking, or work meetings, and we might engage in them using talk or gesture, social media, books, film, yet they are all aspects of what we call communication. Right. So the idea of constructing our social worlds via communication, which is very diverse, we often think linguistically, Mm -hmm. but it's so much more. Right. Yeah, that's the... That's that's the takeaway, or one of the takeaways I'm having from this conversation. It's to your point. It's like when you think of communication, you think of word choice, yeah, or the logistics of it. But this is much broader and richer, and it's in addition to that. Yeah, we do use linguistics that way, but it's more than that. The language we use also represents uh, the how we how we dis how we structure and design and see our world. And then we respond to that map. We map out our world. And one of the ways we map that out uh, is through our language and through our communications. And we respond to that map. So if I respond to the map accurately, one of the three common things that we do in, in communication is, is, is uh, deletions, distortions, and generalizations. All, all people are against me, you know, we, well, then I respond to as if that is true versus you two are against me, you know, uh, or or distortions. Uh, we, we often create linguistically, we take process words and we turn them into nouns. Love, respect, as if that was a thing. It's not, it's a process, you know. It's not that you love me, it's how much do you care about me? How are we showing our love? Uh or we just delete things. We just pretend they're not there. <laughs> yeah, this is far deeper than I anticipated. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no don't, don't, no, no apology. No, no need for apology. No. It's just what what I'm being enlightened to through our conversation today. Not that this was, you know, new to me, but the idea of creating a world through the vastness of communication. And therefore, meaning, whether that meaning is healthy or whether it's unhealthy, whether right. it's distorted, whatever it is to me, because the article goes on to say that, and Rob has said this many times, you get wounded in relationship and you mm-hmm. heal in relationship. I've heard right. you say that many times. So we're born into relationships, first with our primary care, caregivers and then later siblings, peers, teachers, authority figures, friends, life partners, we extend, disturb, and continually transform our social world and these relationships as we continually engage in everyday life. Mm-hmm. So the idea is they want us to be mindful and to Correct. ask some questions. Correct. First question would be, what kind of pattern are we making when we interact? Correct. You know, we're all about self-assessment, being mindful to how I'm communicating. 
and to what's going on. Right. Second question would be, do we like the pattern that we're making? And then finally, and then we'll, we'll maybe get into these. And if not, how would I make it better? What other pattern would I want to create? Right. What What's being created? I like that view. I do too. But how does that work? Like what pattern are we creating now? Uh, good question. Um, first of all is we're, we're not here socially. We're here in a relationship, in a context of uh, coworkers and kind of seriousness. So we would talk like that. Uh, so that would, that kind of decides on, okay, this is what the meaning of, this is what the context is. So what is, what is appropriate what would make it useful here? It's, I have great difficulty describing these things. Well, it doesn't, I mean, fortunately we're not trying to right. <laughs> answer any questions yeah. or we're exploring right. a topic. But so if I hear you correctly, what's going on, let's just take the context of colleagues or coworkers, right. like you said, the fact that we have that as a common meaning. Yeah. We, and dictates the pattern of our discussion, they, our relationship. They call it consecutive meaning. Is 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 that there is a meaning that we share, and then there's rules to how we're supposed to be sitting around this table. And those rules are defined or given socially, socially, anthropologically, oh. experientially. There's rules that we would do this. If, uh, the way we talk before we turn the microphones on. It's different than the way we're talking now. Yeah, I see. What it means. doesn't make it right or wrong. It doesn't make it honest or dishonest. It just means these these are the rules, and that's the pattern. Yeah, right. You know, if I was in a locker room and I cut myself uh, with a bunch of bunch of other guys in high school, I wouldn't. The rules are you don't cry. Okay. But if I was alone, I would probably be crying and bitching. <laughs> well, so the rules. A, we can change the rules. We can change what what those means. I'm also wondering about Matt, who doesn't follow the rules. Well, no, none, neither, <laughs> none of us sitting at this table really follows the rules. I am kind of a rule breaker. Yeah. I I like yeah. yeah, and that doesn't make us antisocial. It doesn't make us contrary. It doesn't make us uh, you know a problem. It just makes us. Uh, uh, it makes us different. It allows us to be more free. Yeah. It allows it, us to make more choices. I can't believe that we've torched through 30 minutes already. Oh, I'm not surprised. But here's what we're going to do. Let's, let's okay. go ahead. Let's go ahead and um, begin to wind down through some summary. Okay. Um, bring the points that you're capturing in our conversation today. Then we'll talk about what's happening in our next episode. But for me, the, the key takeaway is I am now more mindful because of this conversation about the world being created around me and through me in communication and the vastness of communication. And I can look, be intentional to look for meaning and find out what kind of patterns or rules are established. And what does that mean to me? Right. And what does it mean to the relationships that I'm in? And what could I do about that if I want a positive outcome? If I want a different outcome. If I want a different outcome 
what would I need to do differently? And I like the concept, and I'll walk away thinking about the rules, be more intentional about the rules. That context that speaks to those rules, if I'm hearing, I can have a different outcome even if you aren't willing to go along with that. Yeah. It's just because it's a different outcome from me. Yeah. Everybody decides I may, their own I may not get everything I want, but I've got something better than what I came with. Yeah. How about you, Dr. Rob? Closing thoughts? I'm I'm pondering the richness and the depth of communication. I think it's really cool how, to your point, that you paid some attention to communication itself and not just the mechanics of right. it. I like that concept. Mm-hmm. Communication is more of a. It's more than just a tool. It is the. It is the one of the basic ways we organize our world. It's a reality influencer. It is. And we want to come into our uh, next episode. I think we're going to be talking about clean language. Okay. Um, Can you give just a little commercial on clean language? Clean language has been with us for a long, long time. But in this, again, in the late seventies, early eighties, it started to be, be uh, looked at closer by uh, Dave Grove out of the out in, out of New Zealand. Um, the basic sense is the more you can keep yourself out of the conversation, the cleaner it will be. Got it. So uh, you listen more. You as we all we hear is you you work to understand before you work to be understood. Right. So you listen to and you try not to contaminate the relationship. A uh, quick thing is I can ask you, uh, what are you thinking right now? The presupposition is presupposition is that you are thinking something. I can ask you, is there anything that you're thinking about now? That leaves the choice up to you. So and, you and and we've done some quite a bit of work in our circle of trust right, group, and right. and we've tried to work on this, and it's not easy, but it's no. so powerful when you get out of the right. way. So what we're going to do is we're going to tackle that topic in our next episode. So the good news is, Cliff, you're going to be joining us for episode 15. Dr. Rob, you're invited back as well. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate it. (laughs) We appreciate you for tuning in. We hope today's conversation has been provoking thought, imagination, and helping you to consider, you know, that communication really is just as basic as pooping. So we hope that you have a great day wherever that may lead you. Blessings. Well,